Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Energy Speaks Back, powered by B2B Energy. My name is Paul Webb, and I'm the founder of B2B Energy, and I'm your host. And weekly, I present to you energy experts from around the world. Welcome to episode 121. Our purpose, as always, is to provide a good understanding of energy management knowledge from around the world, which is available today for us to, to deliver savings that impact on our planet. We would like to thank utility people who are creating a better career and future for people within our industry. And also Esther Energy, who are our certificate partners. My guest today is the Group Chief Financial Officer for Valor Hospitality. And he's going to be sharing with us his insights into managing his organization's third largest expense. So without any further ado, I give you Paul Nisbet. Good morning, Paul. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. And it's um, my second face-to-face. And I'm really uh, excited about interviewing. And I was going to say this is my first customer interview, but you've been on my episodes before, on episode 50, wasn't it? Yeah, we did. And then we did also, uh, we did a session, didn't we, in COVID? That's right. So we had a session when we did that, where we had a number of industry people together. That's right. And... uh, yeah, that was very interesting getting different people looking at it because obviously I look through the lens of hospitality and service, 24-hour service. So energy for us is is a constant challenge and a, and, and a, and a, and a material cost in our business. So yeah. we're always looking at that kind of thing. So it was interesting to listen to other people and how people deal with their challenges. I always say it's the third largest expense. Is that about right, would you say? Um Third or fourth, third or fourth. I mean, it it can depend on, um, you know, again, looking at where we are with government taxes and stuff like that that come into the business. And yeah, food and beverage as well, don't you? Food and beverage can be very high. Um, It's about about thirty percent of the cost of of the actual Mm. selling price, so it's quite a material number. But it is in our top three or four. Yeah, yeah. And one that is harder to control. Than yeah. maybe some of the others because of so many external factors. Yeah, and balancing the customer experience, which is sometimes more important, isn't it? Yeah, it's classic when people come and do audits and things like that, and then it's and come around. Oh, well, you can turn this or you turn that off, and it's like, well, hold it. We are a service industry. We are yeah. hospitality. Yeah, people actually pay for lights to be on in the bedroom. They pay to actually be able to see the corridor down the corridor mm. to their bedroom. So there is times where there is um, probably say there's there's initiatives, there's software, and there's systems out there. But you've also got to remember that, that you're actually providing a service. Exactly, home the, from home, isn't it? Yeah, and the classic of having these lovely sensors so that you're in the bathroom in a, in a in a hotel, and then you're having to wave for the lights to turn <laughs> off when you're sitting in the toilet. Isn't really a service <laughs> no, offering. No. So there is that kind of thing where you think actually do you go too far. The other yeah. ones, when you look at some of the showers, and there's literally they've got so much air coming out of the shower hose that all your body's getting is hit with air. It's not yeah. actually getting water. It yeah. can't wash, and that's where you can sometimes can go too far in mm. what you're trying to offer. So it's the fine line being it to be in how to you manage and deliver great service and an offering for the customer, but also limit the consumption of what is a, a yeah. scarce resource yeah so we've known each other for many years yeah. um 
I know a lot about yourself, um, personal and business. And um, so for, for the benefit of our audience today, can you give us your background and maybe touch on your origin story of where you've come from? Yeah, so I'm a, I studied hotel management um, a lot of years ago and um, qualified as a hotel, uh, with a degree in hotel management. And then I joined Forte when they existed as a graduate, um, but I went in the accounting side of it. I preferred the the numbers side of it, so I actually joined them as a graduate and then qualified as a uh, as an accountant with Forte in the hotel industry, um, and have pretty much run most of the major hotels that you know in the UK. If you'd go down Park Lane, I think I've run under my you know under my time i probably had five of the hotels down park lane really? that i've run at different times grosvenor house hilton park lane the Marriott at top park lane um and then you go around so you look around the uk and i've pretty much had hotels in every city over the last wow. 30 something years um i look after um the middle east europe and africa for valor so um i'm pretty much traveling all the time and and interestingly, seeing how all of those areas are, are dealing with energy, and and uh, is really is really interesting to see how far we are, or how far different countries are adapting to it. Um, so, pretty much, say, seasoned hotelier um, and a qualified accountant. So, I very much focus on the kind of the back of house side of uh, of hospitality. Um, very obviously, you know. The teams look at the day-to-day guest experience, running of the hotels day-to-day. I'm more looking from the behind the scenes, the admin, the procurement, the IT, the finance, the structure of the company, etc. So that's really where I get involved to kind of complement the, the managing director. So we kind of work hand in hand on on that side of business. And that's what I've been doing. First time I was an FD, I was 28 years old. Wow. So... You know, I've been doing this kind of gig for nearly 25 plus years. So I've kind of so seen I've seen the industry through many different phases, foot and mouth, Gulf War, all the way through to now last COVID. So, yeah, I've kind of got the scars on my back in different ways yeah. and, and know how to deal with it. And that's where we've been together probably now. 12, 13 years. Yeah, I was doing the sums last night. Yeah, it's about, yeah, it's about 12, 13 years. Mm. Yeah, I've won more, more major European and <laughs> UK um, things at Arsenal than you. Than your one. You've even won one of our players, haven't I've, you? I've won one of your players. Yeah, Rice, Rice Baby is coming. Um, <laughs> should be announced by the time this podcast comes out. Um, but um, yeah, we've known each other for a lot of years, um, and we've been on this journey in different phases exactly. for a lot of years because exactly. we started. Um, very much at the time of actually what is it we need to do and it's kind of a new thought process about how do you look after energy and what do you do about it and our industry tends to when everything's good it's never been the big thing to focus on there's always another challenge but as you start seeing prices rise and we go through these phases around the um, global financial crisis now the Ukraine suddenly everyone wakes up to this this cost and suddenly becomes over 10% of your revenue is going into utilities and it's what you're going to do about it, which is reactive rather than what we, we've been doing for the last 12 years, which is actually managing the process, yeah. constantly trying to drive down 
consumption um, and to look at actually how to better manage this cost and how to be to move to be a more um, carbon neutral style business which is challenging when you've got hotels that are 100 200 years old as we've yeah. had in previous businesses to then when you're building new it's much easier to plan and build in yeah. um, the right you know the right technologies the right um, you know the right flow of how a hotel works to be efficient but as I say if you think back to some of the old hotels the palace in Manchester for example you know um, and then you look at some of these properties the Fitzroy now which is the old Hotel Russell these were big old hotels that's been standing for hundreds of years. I used to, uh, the Russell, for instance, I've still got pictures of the switch gear in there. Yeah. Never seen anything like it. It should have been, in, it should have been a museum, basically. Yeah, and that's what you think about. But you can't, by nature, you can't sit there and go, well, it's such an old building, we can't do anything. Exactly. And that was the most interesting when we started this journey was actually some of the managers of some of the old historic buildings were far more engaged in what they could do yeah. than potentially some of the general managers with the newer hotels where a lot had been done for them. Um, so it is, there's no excuse for anybody when they say, oh, well, my building's really old, I can't do anything about it. Yes, you can. Um, and that's where we really started a lot of our journey. This 12 years, we've gone through numerous stages of this journey and and how does it all come together? And, and, you know, and we've achieved a huge amount. Mm -hmm. But we sit here today looking forward and going, actually, we've still got so much to do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the yeah. most frightening thing is you move from one phase to the next phase and you're still looking there and going, okay, what can we do next? Where can we go next? Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, we're not doing it. Yes, we're doing it financially. Of course we are. We're also doing it for our children, our children's children, etc. in terms of what actually do we want in the world? What do we actually want to be and how do we want the world to be? So that's where you look at our younger employee base and you look at their conversations with you are so much more engaged in this than, than we would have been at their age. Mm. So the awareness and the expectation that you're, what are you doing is massively different. Mm. Do, do you have a, um, well, I know you're focusing on ESG. Is that mm. what, what you're going to develop? Is an ESG policy across the group? Yeah, we, we, we are. Um, and we basically, rather than it being led by the likes of um, Brian as the chief exec or myself, it's actually being led by the operations team. Right. Linking across to a number of people within the business. So actually, right. You know, the biggest challenge we have is Valor. And, you know, we've got 90-odd hotels throughout the world. We, um, you know, we we look, you know, we run multiple different styles of businesses from game reserves to high-end five-star hotels. Um, is dictatorship of we're telling you what to do and this is how yeah, we yeah. do it. And any time you do that, it never lives in the business. It doesn't embed itself in the business. So it's far better that the operational teams and the teams buy in and they drive it and we support them and keeping it on the agenda at their leadership meetings and and flagging it up with with the general managers and and having that but actually let the team manage it 
because the more they take ownership of it, the more it embeds in the business and it yeah. becomes the culture. Yeah. It's, it becomes their day to day, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. And it's so yeah. easy for us to walk in and put posters on a wall yeah. and to um, and to say this is what you've got to do and mm. because it's on our agenda it then becomes on everyone's agenda and yes that is important but actually if you can build it from the bottom up rather than the top down you've got much more of a chance for it to succeed and for your strategy to be live in the business um, there's so many examples of over years of um, you know of basically initiatives driven from the top that basically don't last and they just get you know they're just literally papering over cracks yeah let's go back to your early days mm. um what, what's the focus on energy then in in the early days of doing this role um well when we when we started we took over the barcello hotels became hotel collection um we, you know, we literally just come out from the global financial crisis, and um, every penny counted. Mm. And so the focus was, what can we do to drive down cost? Um, mm. And that's where we first met, and and that was the driver was, well, are we efficient? Are we doing what we can do? What are we What are we looking at? So, if you think about our journey, the first thing we engaged with you was to do actually audits of all the properties. Yeah. Um, so really was give us an assessment of where we are. We've just taken over these hotels, no real knowledge of the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and it was just get in there, give us a truthful, honest answer of where we are. Interesting, we had CHPs in. But they yep. weren't working. Yeah, <clears throat> they've been in place for fifteen, twenty years. Yeah, and if they were working, they were noisy. They were cumbersome. They were being turned off. Sorry, bear with me. <clears throat> they were being turned off because they were affecting the guest experience because the noise was yep. horrendous. Remember Blackpool being yep. that example. <clears throat> Right in the middle of the courtyard, wasn't right it? Right in the middle of the courtyard. Where yeah. would you not put a CHP unit right <laughs> yeah. in the middle of, of the bedrooms all around you? Yeah. Um, so we we let, literally just gave you the keys to the hotels and said, go and tell us what we don't know mm. um, and tell us what we could do. And we really took that. You came up with an action plan um, and we just worked through the principles of that and what could we do and... The fundamental of any of that starting is awareness and training and engagement of people. Yeah. Um, before you spend any money, you know, it's firstly, look, what can you do as work in practice? What can you do in terms of awareness that people buy into? Yeah. Um, and that really was like, right, okay, let's get a team together. Let's build a process that people can in engaging in terms of actually are you aware that all the seals around the fridges are broken and actually it's just basically you might as well leave the door open because yeah. the air is coming out or are people you, weren't shutting the fridges or people weren't shutting the fridges or yeah. the seals the the kind of film seals onto the fridges for the freezers you know pull them to the side all day because it's a pain but actually no what you've just done is you let all of that cold air out into exactly. the hot kitchen or vice yeah. versa so that was a kind of a starter for 10 you know, the taps running all day in the kitchen to defrost fish and all mm. those kind of things are all like... All the obvious. All the obvious. Um, found, yeah. Big monitoring. We work with you to monitor our, our half-hourly 
usage of electricity and then we targeted the areas where we knew we didn't need the power yeah so from midnight to five o'clock in the morning I why have we days. got why have we got all this power on yeah because ultimately the hotels are asleep yeah. you know i mean obviously a couple of them are still we had some very big banquet houses that could be going to three four in the morning but you could manage that you knew yeah. what that was but but predominantly the hotels by 11 o'clock at night everyone's in bed kitchen should be shut down everything should be shut down and you want to minimum minimum power so we monitored that and we focused on that to drive that down that was like a an a um and then we looked at the peaks and troughs of that so again the monitoring became really useful and the, that communication to the hotels and benchmarking against each other drove a work process that went, why do I want to be bottom of the league? Why am I back yeah. worse? Yeah. So we focused on that, really. Then we started to look at the capital deployment we could use, and again, the low-hanging fruit. Um, a classic example is people say, all oh, right, put LEDs in every bedroom. But if you actually look at a hotel, the hours of someone in a bedroom is, is very low when the light will be on. So if you think about it, you'd be lucky three, four hours a day where the lights were yeah. in the hotel room. The payback wasn't quick enough, was it? Payback was five, seven years. Yeah. But if you look at corridors, toilets, you look at public areas, you look at meeting rooms, you look at kitchens, you're looking at paybacks of 12, mm. 18, 24 months. Do you know what triggers my mind there is um, in the early days of hotels, mm. the focus is always front of our house, mm. not the back office. Yeah. But what we found is by focusing on energy management in the back office with lighting, where it's on all the time, yeah. that was the best. You know, we didn't have to put high quality lighting in there. It had to be just LED. Um, but we made some significant savings because they're on 24-7. Yeah, and it was things like store cupboards. So you think yeah. in a hotel, pretty much every floor's got a laundry room. Well, you just t change the switch to either be PIR or a push pad, which meant it was only on for half an hour. Mm. Otherwise, it'd be on for at least 12 hours a day if they turn the lights off at night. So you're thinking, hold it, you're doing that on a 10-storey building. There's 10 rooms like that just for laundry, Yeah. let alone offices, let alone... And then um, start areas. multiplying that out across the group. Yeah. It starts becoming significant, doesn't I it? I mean, the big area we spent lots of money on was the really high-quality lighting in the kitchen. If you remember, we put like, soft lighting in, in the... LED yep. LEDs in there because again that pretty much is on 18 19 hours a day mm. and actually one the heat that comes off those lights if they're wrong and it's already a very very hot area that people do not really understand the heat that's in these kitchens but if you take that cooling down but also provide really soft lighting for the high quality soft lighting was obviously better for health and safety for the kitchen team but also the volume drop in that was huge for us. So that was a, a big area. And I said then it came to the likes of corridors where we could do PIR process so they're not on 24 hours a day. Um, toilet, public areas, again, come back to this, you don't want to be sitting in a, in a toilet and having to wave your arms because the <laughs> lights all gone out. But there is ways that you can operate and yeah. provide a, a, you know, a quality offering in there which is energy efficient. So they were the areas. We moved, obviously we touched on CHP. We then looked at replacing the CHPs that were redundant, that were not efficient with new CHPs and where else we could install them, which was 
hugely beneficial. And we've done that again in Valor in the portfolios, both the portfolios we operate in the UK. We operate 34 hotels in the UK. And I think we've got something like 28 CHPs in yeah, those 34 operators. So it's yeah. significant where we can get in. We would have the rest if there was ability to get them in. We just can't. Yeah. Um, as I say, we touched on LED. And again, LED is a big saving for us, but not the number one. Um, and then you looked at, we did a lot of work with you on lagging. Because again, you've got to get hot water around big yep. buildings. Come back to what we talked about, some of the old buildings. You've got to get hot water to really old big buildings and and if you're losing that heat then the boiler's having to work two to three degrees more than it should do to get the heat to the far corners of a yeah. building where if you lagged properly then that would reduce the boiler and we, we found the we had radiators where we didn't need them in the the plant room was yeah. far too hot wasn't it yeah and and it was that again because the, you're burning so much more power and gas to get the heat around a building, mm -hmm. which doesn't make sense when actually you're just basically leaving, you know, you're leaving the heat just coming out through the building because you haven't lagged properly. So that was a big thing for us. Um, we looked at voltage optimization in a number of places, which was effective. Um, and then now we're spending more time looking at with our CHPs as well is where solar can have a have a real benefit for us and the mix between the two to find the right balance between solar and, and obviously um, CHPs, et cetera. And even to the point of where we do the canopies over the car parks. Yeah. So again, you use, you can create a better environment. So the guest experience is better. Their cars are rather than an open car park, they're in under a, under a, a canopy, which is better for them, but also directly above it you've got solar panels that can drive mm. and a long-term strategy with that is going to be ev if yeah. we've got to start introducing more power into the hotels you know why not try and utilize the lots of solar to drive that power yeah no totally and we've got ev pretty much in all of our properties um and we're installing more so we started off with two to three EV units. We've now some of the properties have got seven or eight, and we're still looking to in, increase those because just the nature of the customer, yeah. and what we're seeing <clears throat> coming. Yeah. Also, people just come and have meetings, and they were used to charge the car, and and then they'll have meetings in the hotel. So you're providing another service, which is great. Um, personally, it's important for me as I drive a fully electric car, <laughs> so I, I'm kind of you know quite keen on it, but. But again, it's not being done for my purpose. It's no. being done for the customer no. purpose. Um, and, you know, that it is it is going to be more and more and more. And you're looking at it and nervous nature saying, well, how is the country going to provide enough EV charging, enough EV power as we go forward when the demand is to get to that level? But as people greater great than I am that can work that one out, yeah. we just know that it's... Ultimately, we're seeing more and more of our customers requesting it. We're seeing more as we come in that the bays are full. Um, and so it's a service we offer. It's a bit like Wi-Fi. When you look at it now, years ago, Wi-Fi, you charge for it. But now it's like a utility. I mean, yeah. if you haven't got good Wi-Fi, people don't stay with you. Um, and that's where EV will go, in my opinion, yeah. whether it's now or it's three, five years down the road. I don't think if you've got if you haven't got adequate EV charging, you're just not going to get the business. I was looking at the cars this morning in the car park over breakfast, and I'm thinking, 
there could be people sitting there waiting to put their car on charge because they've got to go somewhere today. And if mm. they, they haven't had the opportunity to charge a car, they're not going to be very happy customers, are they? No, and I think, as I say, being an EV car driver, there's times when you innocently go to park, go straight into an empty car, EV space, and someone comes up, I've been waiting for ages. Really? Like, okay, yeah, sorry, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Or the vice versa, the most frustrating thing now is someone's charged and they've left their car there. Yeah. And you're like, come on. I can't get, you know, it's just yeah. like you need to move your car so I can charge mine. So you can have EV rage coming. Where, where I live. You can see that there's boiling a, now. <laughs> there's a taxi driver. He sits on the Lidl's um, charger all day long reading his paper. I think he's got a luxury now. Long term, he won't, mm. but there'll be people banging on that window yeah. saying, can I have a go now? Yeah, and I think, and again, you know, EVs in so different levels, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you've got, you know, you've got, you go to Tesco's, whatever, and it's 3kVA that's coming in your car, yeah. and it'll take 25 hours to charge your car. Well done. Mm. Or you suddenly look at some of these EV charging of, they say, 150, probably getting that 80 to 90, and you can be charged in 40 minutes. Yeah. You know, it's very different in terms of what it is. But yeah, you probably find that that little charger is is probably 3, 5, or 7kVA, yeah. and, and he needs yeah. to be 12 hours. Well, that's not sustainable. It's no. not sustainable for him as an income no. to be sitting there not earning. So no. it's going to get better. Um, but it's a bit like when we first looked at solar and CHP. Well, if you remember CHP, our first conversations where we could overproduce, but we couldn't sell back to the grid. Because, yeah, that was the plan originally, wasn't it? Yeah, because the grid couldn't cope with taking power back in. Yeah. Um, now, you know, they're... You know, their infrastructure wasn't good enough, um, which is crazy. In some places, we had to downsize, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, and that's crazy that actually you could produce more power and you could feed into the demand periods of the grid, but the grid couldn't cope. Now, solar, we're getting to that point now where actually the grid can cope, and, it, and I'm not an expert of why, but I think it's you know people have got to realise that that's what's going to happen. You're putting mm -hmm. it on your house, you're putting it on your business, and you want to feed that in. To, into the grid, get paid for it, so it becomes an income stream for you, or it offsets your costs, whichever. But um, you've got to look at it and think, well, actually, it is the responsibility of the grid to sort itself out, and then, you know, if we want to get to this neutral situation, then people can deliver more into the grid and, and come off from using, yeah. um, you know, using the kind of gas and these fossil fuels because actually there's a huge opportunity to feed back in the grid if they sorted their infrastructure out mm. we're going to touch on the the net zero pathway but let's go just back so we focus on the consumption what about the the, the procurement of energy how, how have you addressed that we've i mean we've always had a long-term strategy for procurement and we you know we look at it in terms of when we put in the CHPs in Valor, um, we looked at a five-year gas deal. Um, so we looked at de-risking the, uh, the, the CHP in terms of having a long-term pricing for gas. You know, listen, I'd love to pat myself on the back and say that we knew what was coming down the road, but yeah, I mean, it saved, we didn't, did we? We didn't. It saved us millions from the deal we mm. did. Um, but we're already two years to go and we're looking at where we go with the next pricing and we'll lock that in very early. Um, so our strategy has always been to look at pricing 
hedge as much as we think's right mm-hmm. um, and have the price into a, to a, a sensible level. I think the the thing about procurement is you've got to understand the bill. And that's a fundamental is, is if you go back five years ago, probably the electricity cost was somewhere close to 60% of the bill and 40% was the government tariffs, taxes, VAT. Yeah. That's literally switched on its head now. Yeah, totally. So if you don't understand the billing and you don't understand the charges, then you can't really procure properly. Um, and then what you do, we're very fortunate. We work with great, um, a great broker who works with us and, and helps. And we look at strategies and we come up with numerous strategies. I know I drive him mad when I keep challenging and looking at this and looking at that. But what I try to do is lock in the strategy so we know what the price is. And where we can is de-risk the pricing. Mm-hmm. So even if we ultimately pay a little bit long, more for the price going out more, what we've got is a fixed price that says that's really where we are. So you have uh, budget certainty, really? Yeah, we have, budgets, we have budget price certainty. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's the key thing is we know what our unit price is and we know where our tariffs are going. And if tariffs are increasing, we look at what we can do to mitigate those. So we look at it in that way. So that's why I say you've got to know your billing. It's, you can't just look at a price and go, well, that's what it is. You've got to understand yeah. the, how do things get made up. You know, things like red zones, day and night, all these things that come in, different yeah. tariffs that come in, what can you do? Then then it focuses on consumption. And this is what the hotels and the teams can focus on. They can't focus on price. Price is not their, in their control. So you take away the element that's not in their control, and then you focus on the element that's in their control. And mm. then what's in their control is how much consumption they, they are using, what they should be using, monitoring of it, reporting of it. So that's where we focus on. So if you actually chat to any of our general managers, any of our finance guys, our engineers, they don't talk about price, they talk about consumption. Yeah. Because it's the only thing they can control. Mm. So they get benchmarked. We have daily reports. We have weekly reports that go out and they compare against their, their other hotels. They also look at, um, say it's based on half hour meter readings for electricity, gas, for water. So they get a full view of what's happening. And they're quite often the GMs are the ones phoning up and going, why is this spiking? What's happened? Yeah. And, and that's been hugely valuable for us because, again, the CHPs don't always work 100%. There's always going to be some downtown parts. Minimum, minimum yep. And also the heat we just experienced in June has meant some of them at times have just have, have switched down and then you've yeah. got to reset them. But if people are looking all the time, the window of that is getting less and less because they were aware of it. Yeah. So we're not sitting there saying the general manager suddenly has to walk around with his phone in front of him looking at what's being used every half hour. No. But if every morning he comes in and he's got his daily trading and he's got his energy consumption, it's a two-minute look. Okay, that looks about right. Oh, that's gone up a bit. Okay, yeah. chat to the how maintenance guy. Be yeah, how can I be better? Chat how to the maintenance how... guy. <clears throat> what happened yesterday? Why did we spike? Yeah. Um, oh, well, it's actually this event and they, they need yeah. this and this. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so it's just one of the routines that comes into running a business on a mm. daily basis. Interestingly, we have a weekly meeting with the with the group so originally that was with all the maintenance managers we then started to release the data 
And guess what? We have the general managers on that meeting now. Mm. They're all very interested. Mm. Um, and I get general managers contacting me now to say my CHP's down, mm. not the maintenance guys. Yeah. So it's amazing how it's switched their focus and they've got, they've got a better understanding of it now. Yeah, and it's a, as we said, it's one of the material costs. If you look at payroll, they timesheets, rotors, signing that off every week. They're looking at that all the time. You know, they're looking at what's happening with their revenues constantly and then how do we how do we get the right people in the right place at the right time to serve the customer. So they see it, it's their PL, it's their cost. Mm. So all you're trying to do is give them the information to let them manage. And it's no different to payroll, it's no different to the cost of sales of food or beverage that they're looking at their their daily shopping basket to say, okay. What's my food cost looking like? It's going to be. What's my energy cost looking like? Yeah, yeah. It's just where before it was just not on the radar. Now it's one of the three or four daily routines they look at, and they're interested in. Um, and because it's the cost fluctuated so much over a period of time, you know, it, it's it's raised this, and so that's why there's an energy to it. And there's a, you know, as I say, it's not we're asking them to take an hour a day looking at energy it's probably a three five minute conversation mm. as part of what happened yesterday what's happening today is their morning meeting mm. so it's just on the agenda it's there energy walks happen and walk around and they're looking at and they're challenging why these lights on why is this not happening you know all of this happens and they're walking there now they're walking with their eyes open to energy rather than Hmm. purely the guest experience they're also thinking okay why is that why are we leaving those lights on why are we doing whatever so it's just if you arm people with the tools they can do something about it yeah what do you think your challenges are challenges i mean the challenges we have is again it's our industry has a challenge about how do we get to net zero um when you think about procurement you know people we've got spirits wines whatever they've got come throughout the world as much as you want local provenance of food people still want items that the uk doesn't produce so we're still having yeah. to ship that in say strawberries all the year strawberries round. all year That's round but you know it. you look at various different you know just go for a menu and as much as you want to have local you've got a price point to local so you're managing an element of between what you can afford and what you want to give and how do you want to do that. Um, so that's always going to be a challenge for us. Um, again, you've got the balance of what is the guest experience and to the point of you need to light a hotel, you need to make sure it's warm, you need to make sure you know the shower works properly, that there is enough water coming out the shower head that you actually can have a shower. So. You've got that element of of what needs to happen, um, but you're on that journey to get yeah. as close as you can. And buying carbon credits, you know, at the end of the day, what is it? You know, that's... It's wooden dollars, isn't it? it? it, it yeah, it's kind of, yes, it's, it's a good thing, but ultimately, is it really where mm. we should be going um it's the practices of what we can do and how we can do it you know we we partake in uh, building a forest in in scotland 
um, and we we do a lot of work that way. And if you come and have a conference with us, you can you can obviously offset your travel, and we can bill you for that. And we we give that over to for planting trees, etc. We also silly things like we'll have a bet on the revenue in a month and then the loser has to put money in like last month it cost me five trees you know so <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. kind of like rather than it just being swapping money with each other as a as a pure fun bet it was actually okay it's going to cost you if you lose and, and i'm right in terms of what the total revenue of the group is um you know if you lose well by the way it's going to cost you five trees so then you donate the money yeah, yeah. so it's little things where you make a difference, and but it, the biggest challenge is, is genuinely how can we deliver what the guest wants? How can we provide the service people want? How can we have the goods that the you know, as I say, the the menu, the food and beverage that people want in a, in a you know in a kind of near as net zero environment and it is getting better and the supply chain is getting better and the packaging that's coming is getting better and you know you're trying to avoid having you know 10 trucks arrive and if we can get one delivery mm. that can have multiple items on it and make that better etc so do you think net zero is achievable I'd like to think it is, and I think the way the pace the world is moving, that yes, things are, things will get there. I think that it's, you know, it's like anything. You look at something and you think, right, this is new, and then in twelve months' time, it's been superseded by something. Yeah, yeah. So it I becomes think, the normal, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think the pace of what's coming and where we see challenges, people will attack those challenges, and people will resolve those. Mm. Um, timelines, I don't know, um, but I. I, I think there is an energy to really get to that and I yeah. think there is a there's roots to get to that but I do think it's fine having a government that makes these big statements but what's behind it and how are you mm. how do you help it happen and quite often it's grandstanding and actually when you sit behind it and you go well, actually okay how are you going to help this there's no substance so mm. I think that's where it has to come is that actually real effort has to be put behind what are we trying to do rather than just throwing out statements yeah um and i think that's where it's gonna over time you're gonna see a lot of it a lot of it come and i think the problem is what it's one of those things what we can't even think of today what tomorrow's technology will be like because mm. uh, you just think over what's happened in the last 10 20 years where is technology now so where can it be next level next level next level um it's very difficult because you know it's like even if i've got children in their early 20s and potentially the jobs they will do in the next 10 years haven't even been created yet and that's quite frightening when you mm -hmm. generally think actually we don't even know what those jobs will be no so that's where you've got to sit there and think we'll get there because there is a will to get there. How we get there, we're probably going to be on many different roads. Some will work, some won't work. Some mm -hmm. will be more, will be better than we think about. And I think that's really, we just got to be open to all opportunities. Look at everything and say, is this actually the right one to back? Yeah. Uh, 
Um, Paul, it's come to this time of the interview where I'd, I'd like to ask you, you've given lots of information back today, but is there anything specific you can give back to our industry today? Um, I think the things that I, as I say, the things I focus on is, and I touched on earlier, you can't challenge, you can't inf- impact something you don't know about. So you've got to get into the weeds. And I think that's the thing, like when I say about billing, you've got to get into the bills, you've got to get underneath them to know how to impact something and to change a way of working. Red Zone being an example. So in the UK, between roughly four and seven o'clock at night, there's a premium charge mm-hmm. on your bill. Um, and that's really because the grid can't cope with the demand of kids coming out from school and homework and dinners and ever. For us, it's like having one rationale oven suddenly mm. goes to 10 yeah. at that period of time. Now, we can't stop serving food, but what we can do is basically say, when do you need that oven on? How do you need that oven on? Yeah. Meeting rooms, if, if guests are leaving at 5 o'clock at night, turn all lights off until 7 o'clock at night until yeah. you need to clean them. And managing that, them managing that ma- profile. So you manage the profile of what it is. Mm. We changed our on-premise laundry to finish at 3.30 in the afternoon paid a premium for the staff to come in slightly earlier but we changed we didn't want the on-premise laundry working for four o'clock because the premium cost was 10 times it was the hour before so to me if you don't understand your cost and you don't analyze it and you, you can't influence it so i think fundamentally that would be my biggest thing is is actually don't listen to what people tell you to do get in the weeds, understand what's impacting your business, and then the more you understand it, you open it out to the team, they'll come with the ideas, they'll tell you what they can do to save it, if they mm. understand it. And they're going to be the ideas that get delivered, aren't they? Yeah, because, as I say, anything we try and deliver from the top is is ultimately, is that really impacting the business? Mm. Some of it will, some of it won't. Some of the stuff that really makes the impact is actually when you talk to the guys on the shop mm. floor, and they they know where their challenges are and then they start coming up with ideas and people go oh my god that's so obvious but we would have missed it because yeah we're not doing that job every day so we don't see it every day and that was the benefit about doing all those assessments before because we found so many different best practices that one hotel was doing and another wasn't and we just brought those back to the head office as such Mm. and then put them back in yeah and then when you encourage people to say well this is why they're producing this is why their cost is lower than yours this is why their consumption is lower than yours then they go okay what can we do what can we do yeah and i think that's partly why we we put an energy engineer into valor was begin how do you get that best practice moving how do you monitor what you're doing and how do you how do you then ensure that that best practice is consistent across the portfolio yeah um and it's not something we're going to wake up every day think about. And the GMs won't wake up and be their number one. But if you've got someone who's dedicated to that, then actually they wake up and think about that. Yeah. We had one uh, yesterday where the GM from another hotel said, we're the same hotel as, as that other hotel and they're better than us. I said, oh, I'm just looking at their their um, their scoring and, and we've got them scored as excellent. She goes, well, I want to be excellent. Mm. And straight away, that was driving her energy because she wanted to be excellent. They all want to be excellent, these GMs. Mm. They want to drive their business down. But at the end of the day, 
the the PNL will improve. Yeah. And obviously the environment will improve because of yeah. reduced consumption. And the owners return. And ultimately we manage hotels for owners and Exactly. And ultimately the more you know, the the more um profitable they are for an owner, more likely are they have more. Yeah. And we can grow our business. So it's all a circle. <clears throat> I like the uh, getting amongst the weeds. Um, yeah. I, I may have to use that one day. Right. Okay. <laughs> it is true, though. It's it the is. same as anything. You can. You mentioned that last night yeah, over dinner. I, yeah, simple to me. It's like an iceberg. Yeah. Okay. Ninety percent of what I do is underwater. You don't see it because yeah. it's all the stuff that has to happen. The ten percent is the nice stuff that comes out the front and people see, and that's exactly the same here. A lot of the stuff that ha- to get it right, you've got to. You know, it's, it is that in the weeds. It's. It's the things that happen that people don't see. Yeah. But if they don't work, and with Lee, work. he's going to have to roll his sleeves up and get stuck in and yeah, fight perfect. through those weeds, isn't he? Yeah, and he does. Yeah. And and actually, but the reward of seeing the changes, the reward is great because you actually truly can influence something. Where sometimes you're in the middle of a job where. Can you really see the influence you're having on something? That was a question I was going to ask earlier. Where do you see the impact of all of this? I mean, fundamentally, the first thing you see is a P&L. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the numbers don't hide. No. So if you, in your P&L, look at the consumption and you look at the consumption rather than just the cost, you say, right, show us how much consumption we have. And we forecast on the basis of what's our forward consumption. So they, they're forecasting what they think they're going to consume for, for gas, water, electricity. And then we monitor to that. So that's an immediate, do you see it? Um, so that's obviously from there. Then you start looking at, when you're looking at monitoring, you're looking at the reporting um, and government reporting, etc. And you can see year on year, has, where does your impact? Mm. Um, you know, we're in the ESOS period at the moment, aren't we? So, of course, we're looking at what's our commitment for the yeah. next few years. So, again, we got to be keen at what we're going to commit to we can deliver. So then that comes again to an action plan, right? Okay, if these are the five things we're going to do over these next period of years, how do we do them? Mm. Break them down, follow them up, and um, bite-sized chunks of what can you do? Yeah. Um, so that generally is, is what you're constantly looking at, but the numbers don't lie. And exactly. that's as simple. If you, wherever you look at it, you can fluff it up any which way you want, but ultimately, <laughs> the end of the day, the numbers don't lie. You're yeah. either achieving reducing you know for us we would always and, like to and i've been on the end of those numbers many of time with you yeah yeah we've been yeah. questioning numbers question numbers question your spreadsheets to make sure they add <laughs> up yeah but i mean that's a different thing but but yeah the thing is if ultimately you're going to be judged on something the numbers come in as i say graphically we look at a lot of the stuff graphically and we mm. can see the peaks and troughs and the, and we can see the trends and again, if you're looking at MAT, so moving average trend, and you can see consumptions dropping down, then you know the impact's coming through. So you can you can see it in there. But it, yeah. it's ultimately a numbers game. Brilliant. Well, Paul, I'd like to say thank you very much for this opportunity. And also, thank you very much for you know the last 12 or 13 years of working with you. It's been an amazing journey. And I think you've really led the industry. I'm not just saying that because, you know, Getting amongst them weeds has mm. been something you've been following for many years, and I think organisations now need to take you know take a look at that and, and follow that focus. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, and I think it's it's one of those things that once you get into it, you kind of want to know what's next, and you 
and you're constantly looking at it and thinking, actually, where does it go? Um, and it, it has been an interesting journey. We've had a number of ups and downs. We've had, you know, we've been through a number of challenges in, in, in supply and what's happening and everything. But um, I think we're in a better place than we were. Mm. And I think that's the most important thing of anything, isn't mm. it? Is you sit there and go, actually, are we in a better place than when we started? 100%. Are we in a better place than we were last year? As long as those are yes, you're making the right roads mm. and you're making the right uh, decisions. And that's the key thing. Brilliant. Well, thank you. And please, you and your family, stay safe in these times. Thank you very much. And you too.